Hi, and welcome to a special edition of the China Business Minute. This week, we're going to have a quick catch up on the latest from our Shanghai representative, and then we're going to delve into a look at the year ahead and what areas to watch carefully in 2020. Owen Hockey is the U.S. China Business Council's chief representative in Shanghai. Owen, happy New Year! Hey, Ian, happy New Year! All right. So, what's the what's the latest news on the possibility of of signing this trade deal that's been in the works for a while? It looks like we're now getting closer to an actual deal being signed, which is great. The latest is that President Trump announced that they'll sign the Phase One deal in Washington D.C. on January fifteenth.、Uh, we haven't had a confirmation from the China side on that yet, but something we'll be looking out for. Uh, the president also indicated he would travel to Beijing after the deal is signed、uh, for talks on the Phase Two deal. We've heard from contacts in the U.S. administration that the deal will be signed at the vice premier level in Washington, and should come into effect some 30 days after it's signed. This is good news for companies doing business here. I think it helps us to get on a more sustainable path、uh, and creates a little bit more certainty for those businesses、uh, out here in China. Okay, that's that's good news at least. But what do we actually know about the deal? Do, do we know anything about the the copy of the text? We don't have a copy of the text of the deal, but we heard from the U.S. side it's in total an 86-page document. In addition to an agreement not to add any additional tariffs, it'll also include commitments addressing intellectual property rights,、uh, technology transfer, and other issues that will help address many of the core concerns in the initial U.S. Trade Representative's Section 301 investigation. On openings, we heard the agreement also includes confirmation of further financial sector openings.、Uh, China will also increase purchases of U.S. goods and services, including major agricultural purchases. There's also language in the deal that will、uh, be on dispute settlement mechanism, and both sides will establish dispute resolution offices, which will be led by U.S. Trade Representative on the U.S. side.、Uh, there's a lot more in the text, I'm sure, and, and we look forward to seeing the final version after it's signed. All right, changing gears.、Um, the foreign investment law is now effect in China.、Uh, can you share any further details on this?、Uh, what's important for companies to know? Yeah, companies doing business in China are looking very eagerly to、uh, January first, which is the day that China's revised foreign investment law went into effect just this week. We also saw implementing measures that were released on December thirty first, which our member companies were eagerly、um, looking out for.、Um, these also went into effect on on January one as well. We had commented on the draft implementing regulations back in October, and the final version's a, a bit longer. It's now 49 articles compared to、uh, 45 articles in the draft version. There was an extra chapter. I、uh, think、uh, chapter five was added to the final implementing regulations on legal liability, which holds all of、uh, governments, all levels of governments, legally liable if they're treating foreign invested enterprises differently in standard setting, government procurement. Uh, handling of their complaints or or forcing them to transfer their technologies. This is quite positive, and and hopefully this will help with the implementation and enforcement. We did see positive changes on provisions、uh, regarding the intellectual property, government procurement, and, and technology transfer overall in in this、uh, final version of the implementing regulations. There are also changes on the complaint mechanism for foreign companies, and the final language clarified that foreign companies can use legal channels to submit complaints、uh, to regulators. We're still looking at the final regulations and、uh, discussing with members about how it may、uh, impact their business here. But overall, seems positive for foreign companies to help protect their interests and also access the China market. All right. Anything else to throw in the grab bag that's important to members right now? Yeah. One thing else we're looking at this week is、uh, China's draft export control law that's out for comments until January 26th. This law will help unify some of the scattered regulations on export controls、uh, into one law. 
this will also cover many of the dual-use products or anything really related to national security. A number of our member companies that are working in tech-related space in China have expressed interest in the law. Uh, it could impact companies in aerospace, energy, materials, biotechnology, and, and many other areas that could be linked to national security. Um, could impact the ability for the companies to share information from their China subsidiaries uh, that would be transmitted overseas, either their U.S. headquarters or, or other locations that they have around the globe. Uh, we'd be interested in any company feedback on the law as we consider uh, submitting comments on it. All right, Owen, as always, thanks for the concise wrap-up. Thanks, Ian. Good speaking with you today. All right, that's Owen Hockey, our chief representative in Shanghai. I know the show usually ends here, but go ahead and stick around. We're going to chat with some more folks here in the office about the year ahead. Twenty twenty is going to be chock full of areas to watch to get a handle on China's commitments to reforms that it's made. Major inflection points are going to be the foreign investment law and China's efforts to improve the environment for intellectual property rights. Beyond that, we're likely to see a government focus on stability rather than on breakneck growth, further development of the corporate social credit system, and possibly even new developments on Made in China 2025. We will get to these topics, but first, let's start with the government's focus for the economy in 2020. A lot of this we're drawing from the recently concluded Central Economic Work Conference that sets the tone for the next year's economic priorities. And the top line here is moderate expectations for growth. Readouts from the Central Economic Work Conference didn't mention a specific GDP growth target as they have in previous years, but only that China will maintain reasonable growth. So going into the next year, priority is likely going to be placed on maintaining economic stability rather than chasing breakneck growth. That said, we're also expecting more openings for foreign investment, as Beijing is likely to shorten its foreign investment negative list in 2020. The Ministry of Commerce also established a free trade zone department, so any pilot programs established by that new department will be worth keeping an eye on. In less positive news, though, we are not expecting any new breakthroughs on SOE reform in 2020, according to these readouts from the Central Economic War Conference. It was mentioned in the concluding minutes of the Central Economic Work Conference that China will continue to foster competitive state-owned enterprises into national champions in strategic industries, so we can expect the can on SOE reform to be kicked further down the road. A new legislation could help attract even more foreign capital. The Foreign Investment Law, for the first time, uses a and of course, list part of the Chinese economy is based around investment, investment and activity catalog. from foreign Would companies. To that end, the foreign investment law set to go into action on January 1st is going to be a major element to watch. Another critical area we're monitoring is the foreign investment law. Um, as we all know, that goes into effect on January 1st, 2020. The U.S.-China Business Council was actively involved in working with the Chinese government. That is Matt Margulies. He is our vice president for China operations here at the U.S.-China Business Council. And he took a couple of minutes to explain what the foreign investment law is and what to expect from it in 2020. And we've seen some activity from the Chinese government over the last, uh, especially towards the end of the year, that seems to be, at least rhetorically, introducing uh, some elements of implementation of the foreign investment law, uh, specifically in areas of intellectual property protection, uh, potentially in government procurement and bidding and tendering. And also rules for an information reporting system that were uh, introduced as part of the foreign investment law. We also expect more clarity on important terms introduced in the foreign investment law, as well as further guidance this year 
on the five-year transition period for companies' uh, registration or re-registration processes. Notably, one key component of the foreign investment law that has not been touched on yet, hasn't been clarified, is the National Security Review. Uh, We were hoping that we would get clarity on that in the implementing regulations of the foreign investment law. We don't have that yet, so that's something we will continue to monitor for enforcement and impact on foreign company investment and foreign company operations in China in 2020. Legislation from China is always something to watch. So since we've just covered the foreign investment law, let's turn our attention to another key legislative area for 2020, that being intellectual property rights protection and enforcement. In 2020, we expect China to significantly accelerate IP reforms. And I think the reason that we're likely to see the acceleration is because of the bilateral trade talks, which has which have focused on IP. Um, but China has made it clear that any IP reform that it undertakes will be to the benefits of its own interests. That is Angela Deng. She is a business advisory services manager here at the U.S.-China Business Council in our D.C. office. And she took a few minutes to lay out what the landscape for intellectual property rights protection looks like in 2020. And we sort of already know what types of IP reforms uh, we should be expecting in 2020, because around Thanksgiving, China released the State Council opinions on strengthening the protection of intellectual property rights. These opinions basically provided a comprehensive blueprint on the types of IP reforms that China will undertake in the next few years. So most likely, when the phase one deal, the text is released, the items on IP included in the text will overlap quite a bit with what China has already committed to on IP protection in the state council opinions. And in terms of the specific commitments, we can probably break them down into three buckets. Uh, First would be future revisions to IP legislation, which are likely to include the patent, copyright, and also criminal laws. Um, But second and third, we will likely see strengthening of both administrative and judicial enforcement of IP rights. So digging a bit more into the IP legislation, we are likely to see future revision to the patent law. In terms of the content of any future revision, we're likely to see higher statutory damages for patent infringements, as well as provisions that will strengthen protection of IP rights for pharmaceuticals, uh, which will probably include patent linkage, as well as patent term extension. Moving on to the copyright law, we are also likely to see higher statutory damages for infringements as well. Because the state council opinion has explicitly committed that China will set up a punitive damages system for both patent and copyright infringements. And on criminal law, we should expect to see lowering of criminal thresholds as well as increasing criminal sentencing for IP infringements. These types of changes will be quite significant. But of course, any movements on IP legislation would be meaningless unless China strengthens enforcement of IP rights as well. And I think that to that end, China will likely tighten enforcement of IP rights through both the administrative as well as the judiciary enforcement channels. Specifically on administrative enforcement, I think China will probably tighten it for trademark infringements. Um, And I say that because recently China released new judgment standards for handling administrative cases on trademark infringements. And also because in the past year, China has been releasing a special campaign 
uh, fighting counterfeits as well as trademark infringements. But more importantly than administrative enforcement, China is going to continue to improve judicial enforcement of IP rights. In the State Council opinion, China said that it will definitely improve the efficiency of judicial trials and enforcement. And I think specific measures to achieve that goal would likely entail improving timeliness of court decisions on IP disputes, um, reducing the burdens on evidence collection for IP rights holders, as well as unifying standards on judicial rulings of IP cases. Separately from IP, I also wanted to touch on technology transfer, which is also going to be included in the phase one deal. So far, the only movement we have seen on technology transfer um, have been the revisions that China made in May to the regulations on technology import and export. We have started to see more positive changes um, recently to the language on the provisions of technology contract in the draft civil code. Of course, we'll have to see what types of changes will be included in the final civil code when it passes and if it passes, and also how they will interact with the revisions that were made to the regulations on technology import and export from May. Yeah, we've been talking about the social credit system. We don't know a whole lot about it in terms of the system will monitor whether Given that the topic was one of the most popular issues of 2019, we would be remiss if we didn't give at least a little bit of time to talk about the corporate social credit system. Uh, this is a, a key priority for a lot of American companies uh, doing business in China. There's still a lot of uncertainty with the system, how it will be implemented, um, how scores will be developed, blacklists, transparency. Again, that's Matt Margulies, who we introduced earlier. He took a few minutes to explain the corporate social credit system and its expectations for 2020 to us. You know, China initially targeted the pro system would be completed by 2020. Um, I, that, it looks like that's not going to be the case, but we will potentially see um, greater integration of different systems that are being deployed across China. Uh, that might materialize in a couple of different ways, mainly in probably um, how different data and credit platforms comprising the corporate social credit system are unified, um, and the various grading systems and, and blacklists. Um, so again, that's something that it's a, a bit less defined at the moment, but it's something that we're continuing to monitor, and I know a lot of our members are, are paying close attention as well. The China Business Minute is a production of the U.S. China Business Council, and you can learn more about our work on our website, uschina.org. This special edition of the show was made possible only through the excellent research of Yan Yu, Angela Dung, and Bonnie Wong, all of whom are managers with the U.S. China Business Council. We have enjoyed this year of making the show possible, and we're looking forward to growing it next year as well. To help us do that, please leave us a rating and review, and encourage your friends and colleagues to subscribe to the podcast. Launching this program in 2019 has been a real pleasure, and we look forward to another year of analysis of the U.S.-China relationship in 2020. Thank you for listening. I'm Ian Hutchinson, and we will be back next week.